the pandemic treaty, Hong Kong patriots only, Bolsonaro's reshuffle and a cooking show arrest. This is your TLDR News Daily Briefing for Tuesday the 30th of March. Before we start, I just want to acknowledge that we are using the studio again now and, well, I just arrived, so it's a mess of cables and badges. I'm going to do something nice and get this set up properly before the end of the week, but apologies for the moment for the bad audio and video quality. In the first story of the Daily Briefing today, we discuss the global news that more than 20 world leaders have expressed interest via a letter in a pandemic treaty in order to ensure that future pandemics aren't as disruptive as this current one. While we're all currently still counting the days until this pandemic is over, luckily politicians are looking forward a bit further. After all, the worst outcome from all of this is for all the pain, suffering and sacrifice to finally end, only for another serious pandemic to come back and plunge us back into lockdown cycles. The aim of this treaty then is to ensure that in the next pandemic, countries are not motivated by nationalism or isolationism. Instead, world leaders have suggested that we should work together to overcome the next pandemic. To be clear, no treaty has been signed yet, and world leaders are simply indicating that they would be behind such a hypothetical treaty. However, while the treaty hasn't been signed, leaders are clear about what they expect and hope to be included in it. Specifically, they want data sharing agreements, presumably to better identify viruses and variants, vaccine sharing schemes and PPE sharing schemes. The letter stated that the COVID-19 pandemic had been a stark and painful reminder that nobody is safe until everyone is safe. While many can get behind such a statement, including Prime Minister Boris Johnson, this statement seems to run counter to the UK's own vaccine goals this pandemic. As we explained, the letter makes clear that the treaty will make future pandemics more of a global effort, with one of the goals being to more fairly distribute vaccines. Although Prime Minister Johnson signed the letter, Kwasi Kwarteng, Johnson's business minister, stated today that I think our focus has to be to try and keep Britain safe. We want to work cooperatively as well with other countries, but the main priority is to get the vaccine rollout. While we can debate whether this is the right move, and about notions of vaccine nationalism more generally, it's fair to say that this has marked a diversion from the Prime Minister's stated aim in the letter to distribute vaccines internationally, albeit in the next pandemic. Nonetheless, what do you think? Is this simply an observation that the British government would like to act differently in the next pandemic to this one? Or is it a case of hypocrisy when it comes to vaccine distribution? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. In the second story today, we move to Hong Kong to discuss the developments in the ongoing story related to the country. Many will remember that we've covered this story regularly in the daily briefing, highlighting the attempts from China to subvert democracy in Hong Kong, to the dismay of the global community. Well, today it seems that they've taken it one step further yet again. Hong Kong has a complex relationship with China, but under an agreement with the UK that allowed for the handover of Hong Kong, China agreed to respect certain aspects of the Hong Kong state. This includes elements of democracy, something that regular Chinese cities wouldn't be granted. As we said, in the last few months, China seems to have broken this agreement. Today, for example, China has halved the number of directly elected MPs in Hong Kong's parliament, and even introduced rules that mean MPs must be loyal to China. 
In effect, this means that each and every MP will have to be vetted by a pro-Beijing committee to ensure that they're loyal to the party. Many world leaders are outraged by this move, with US Secretary of State Antony Blinken describing the change as an assault on democracy. What do you think though? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. And if you want more on this story, we made a full video describing China's plans for Hong Kong over on the TLDR Global channel. A link to that in the description. In the third story of the daily briefing today, we move to Brazil to discuss a reshuffle. Brazil is currently undergoing a huge spike in coronavirus cases. The most recent seven-day average is 75,000 new cases per day. Unfortunately, as a result, there's additionally been a huge number of deaths related to these new cases. So far, more than 300,000 people have lost their lives in the country. In recent weeks, the Brazilian healthcare system has begun to collapse under the strain, with a lack of beds in intensive care units and COVID-19 units in all but two states, running at more than 80% capacity. President Bolsonaro has opposed quarantine measures imposed by state governors and consistently downplayed the impact of the virus. He stated that if measures such as a quarantine were introduced, the effect on the economy would be worse than the health impact. Despite moving through four health ministers during the pandemic, Bolsonaro has today announced yet another cabinet reshuffle. In this reshuffle, five cabinet ministers have been replaced, including the foreign minister. He was previously one of Bolsonaro's closest allies, but recently failed at procuring vaccines for Brazil. Also, some suggest that he was too close to the former Trump administration, which in turn could mean that he's not as popular with the Biden administration, damaging the US-Brazilian relationship. Whatever the reason though, Bolsonaro clearly isn't happy with his ability to purchase vaccines, and we'll have to see what happens with the reshuffle in the coming weeks and months. In the final story today, we move to Italy to discuss the arrest of a mafia fugitive. Mark Ferran Claude Birra has been wanted by the Italian police since 2014 for allegedly trafficking cocaine into the Netherlands on behalf of the mafia. He managed to evade capture for a number of years, with the police now reporting that he's been living a quiet life in the Dominican Republic. How then, you're probably asking, was he caught? After all, it's on the other side of the globe. How on earth did the police manage to find him? Well, Mr. Barat wasn't as careful as you might have thought. Potentially getting bored with his quiet life, he decided to start a YouTube cooking channel. Of course, he carefully hid his face in the videos, not wanting to be recognised and captured. Unfortunately for him though, his distinctive tattoos were a bit of a giveaway, and his cooking channel led the police right to him, ending his seven-year run. He's now been extradited to Italy and will now face charges. For those of you who think the news is too long, be sure to check out tomorrow's daily briefing. Read the newsletter by signing up at tldrnews.co.uk forward slash daily. Listen to the briefing by searching for TLDR News in your podcast app, or watch the briefing over at youtube.com forward slash TLDR daily.